You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, on a Monday, this episode, of course, brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever. It's Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and you'll get 20% off your next order. If you haven't had a Built Bar yet, well, at this point, it's on you. I, I can't I can't strong arm you into tasting the best tasting candy bar, protein bar. It's actually a protein bar disguised as a candy bar. Yeah. That, that's on you at this point. It's Bo. It's Alex. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Rack, at Clancy's Corner, at Lockdown AZ Cards. If you're watching us live, thank you for tuning in on StreamYard via our Twitter accounts. I believe Alex posted it at Clancy's Corner. Uh, also, we'll retweet it at Lockdown AZ Cards. Of course, at Bob Rack. Easiest way to find me, Bo Brock. We're going to get into the conversation that, um, Michael Bidwell had with the Cardinals flagship radio station last week. Uh, very, uh, very unimpressed with his comments for the most part. It was like the video he released two weeks ago. It was like uh, he, he was telling us the sky was blue. Like there, there was nothing profound, nothing, no insight into the organization uh, that I, I don't think that you can gather on your own. Like the, there's there's nothing, but we'll we'll get into some of the glaring, um, I, I guess the headlines, the the cliff notes. We'll go we'll get into all of those as far as Michael Bidwell joining Doug and Wolf, who I'm sure they were just asking him the, the hard hitting questions as you can imagine. And then uh, we'll also get into it's a mock draft Monday. Let's lighten things up. Let's have some fun after we get after we finish our conversation about the the Bidwell in, interview, uh, and then we'll get into a mock draft Monday. Yeah, we actually have. Good. We actually have uh, a uh, a new mock draft and in, in, in different uh, takes on who the Cardinals could take at 16 overall. Some intriguing prospects. I don't know if it's anybody that uh, really excite us, but we'll get into those conversations as well. But let's let's have some fun with this one. So Mark Michael Bidwell joined Doug and Wolf. They have this uh, like newsmakers. Uh, week that they have and they have a really impressive guest slate like it's it's usually the decision makers for each and every organization around town you know if it's uh if it's a Diamondbacks it's it's usually Mike Hazen Tori Lovello if it's the Cardinals it's Michael Bidwill uh, maybe I don't know if they, if they get Cliff Kingsbury I think they've had head coaches before Steve Keim has joined the conversation before uh James Jones is sometimes in on it so they do a great job as far as getting some very important people, some guys in some big-time decision-making roles in Phoenix sports. Now, as far as, you know, are they asking the hard-hitting questions? A lot of the time, they are tied to the organization because they're their radio flagship uh, station. So are they really asking the questions that need to be asked and answered? Not necessarily. Michael Bidwell kind of got on and, and was he was excited about the future. Where I think that the the conversation is where they fell short at the end of the season. Now, being excited about the future and Kyler Murray, the step that he took forward, and DeAndre Hopkins being in the desert, I think that that puts things in perspective. But if you watch the end of this season, it was th- this was a very mi- big missed opportunity. 
And and you're if you're the decision makers there for the Cardinals organization, you got to be figuring out what the heck went wrong, what went wrong. And I don't think there was that. This is something that we've been talking about for a long time, Alex. Where I just don't feel like there's anybody in that organization that's that's holding themselves accountable. Like they're seeing these things happen. They're at the end of each and every season. They're they're we had we won three games. We won five games. We won. We missed the playoffs because we couldn't win the final two games of the season. There's there's like we think we know like what we have to do, but do they really know? Are they looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, "Hey, this is this is what went wrong. This is where we need to get better. This is this is where we have to hold ourselves accountable." I don't I don't see any of that. Um, I, I, I one of the key takeaways was, and this this is a direct quote from the interview was. Um, it, Steve's leadership. This is this is from Michael Bidwell. Quote, I liked the improvement between year one and year two with Cliff Kingsbury. I think Isaiah Simmons is going to come on. He was a big contributor. So I was glad to see the draft choices working out under Steve's leadership. Our future is exciting. Uh, were we watching the same team all season long? I mean, it's uh, loyalty to a fault has kind of been, you know, the foundation on which all of this mediocrity has been built. You know, it's Steve Kahn drafted them, so you need to stick with them, overpay them. That's what happened with Teron Matthew. Um, that's why it was such a, a weird thing to see Calais Campbell walk uh, when they had him walk. Like, you don't want your owner to be talking. The, the, the sentence that, that caught me was regarding Michael, regarding Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim. He said, quote, they're digging deep, cliche number one. They know what they've got to do, cliche number two. And we all know what we've got to do. Three, we've got to improve. Thank you, Brainiac. I mean, it's it, to everything that you said in your little soliloquy there, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's this is just complacent with being better last year than people thought they were going to be, regardless of how it finished. And this isn't something like we're going to find out truly the intestinal fortitude of the front office this offseason, where they're going to target their cap dollars. And obviously, I mean, he also went on to say that uh, Steve Kime went on to say in an interview that there's no way Chandler Jones is going, which, which we figured that's one big check mark you can just say. He's staying. They're going to deal with the with the big cap hit, and they're going to have their third or fourth best player on the roster come week one of the 2021 season. It's it is a little jarring to see no teeth being shown in his interview. And yes, 98.7. They're known for their softballs because they are the flagship, and heaven forbid they ask any pressing questions. And I, and I can understand. Look. You could, whoever's signing your checks, you're gonna be you're gonna be handcuffed by it. Some of some people are, are less uh, aggressive, especially in positions like that. They they've got a good thing going. Why why rattle the cage? What what's the point? What, what's it what's it gonna you know do for them? But you know that that's why we have the luxury of of being unbiased and, and we can have these tough conversations and we can listen to an interview and like say, well, I'm I'm not satisfied with those answers. Well, I mean, it would be easier. It'd be easier to have something, some frame of reference, if we remembered what Steve Kime's voice sounded like in a press conference setting. We haven't heard from him since the season ended, and and it's been in in the times that we have ever since Steve Wilkes was 
fired after one season, it's been on their terms. Like it's going to I'm going to have say my statement, I'm going to answer the questions that I want to answer and it's going to be a certain amount of time. Like they are controlling the narrative. And then they're they're you know having this can you call it success? I mean, they took steps forward. They took themselves out of the basement of the NFL. They took themselves out of irrelevancy and put themselves close to relevancy. But they're not there yet. That's the one thing. It's like this team has takes these consolation prizes, like finishing eight and eight. Is it's something like they've accomplished something, like a, a, something big? It's the, what what I'm really bothered by with this is the fact that Steve Keim, to, to call your general manager your leader, like Steve Keim couldn't even lead himself to the Uber app on his phone when he needed to. Like he he couldn't. Like it's. He, he can't find himself, he can't lead himself to an impact maker in the first round. Like, it is, they qualify so many different things as far as these conversations they have, especially in, in front of a microphone in front of the media. Like, this organization has to figure out, like, you're asking this fan base to take this gigantic leap of faith, but you haven't done anything to make them believe. Like, you haven't done, like, when we talk about, you know, you have to eat your vegetables first. You say that all the time. Like, they haven't done that. They haven't done that. And then, the, you know, and, and we're getting on these, you know, soapboxes and stuff like that. But And, and we're not telling you too much about what Bill Will truly said. But it's just, uh, it, it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at this, like, I mean, this is this is nepotism at this point. You know, I mean, it, it's they may as well be related because Steve Keim ain't no way. Even if he were the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who don't fire anybody, he would have been gone at this point. So it's unfortunate, Bo, that we constantly have to remind ourselves, let alone other people, of the situation at hand. Like the worst enemy of the Arizona Cardinals is the Arizona Cardinals. Is Steve Keim and his and his and his uh, talent judgment. His uh, and what he does with players who, I mean, the laundry list of things that we have to hurdle over in an effort to get to a rational conversation is mind numbing. And we've constantly had to do it. And I love it, you know, because it, it, it just adds extra texture to, you know, an NFL storyline that's always going to have texture. It's more to talk about, but th- it's just another reminder that Bidwell, although I'm sure he was great. He was a he was a great career guy with things he did out of owning a professional football team. That doesn't translate to having the acumen to hire people to put them in situations where they can succeed. And Steve Keim has been a failure as a general manager. The only time he hasn't been a failure is, is when the head coach takes up takes over a very big leadership role in this organization. And that's Bruce Arians. Yeah. Like, Bruce Arians had the most successful run that any head coach has ever had in this organization's history, and that includes Ken Wisenhunt, who even took this team to a Super Bowl. Uh, it's the Steve Keim without Bruce Arians as his head coach has been a horrible general manager, horrible. And to say Cliff improved and Kyler improved, and I'm excited about Isaiah Simmons, and I'm excited about Steve leadership. It's like, think about all the successful organizations in the NFL. Tell me one of them where your general manager is your leader. Tell me one. Because 
Steve Kime has pulled Jerry the Jones. <laughs> Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah, they, years ago. The last two decades, they've uh, been very successful. They have his Belichick. Been- but Belichick, I mean, but I understand your point. Right. I mean, Andy Reid's the general manager. He's the head coach, right? He's the guy that's leading those men in the locker room, right? They look at him. They talk to him every day. It's Steve Kime. That's problematic. That's the, that's the biggest issue here is the fact that Steve Kime is your your leader or who you're telling him that is 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 the leader. It's that's that's the biggest issue here. Is like Cliff Kingsbury, like. Don't we just feel like he's a puppet right now? He's like, look at the last two coaches Steve Kime has hired after Bruce Arians. It's it's very clear to me that he doesn't. He wants to be the leader. He's gonna put people. He's not gonna go out there and get the head coach that's gonna help this team take the necessary step forward and provide the leadership. Because I, I have the feeling, I have the sneaking suspicion that Steve Kime is gonna be like, he's gonna be intimidated by that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to relinquish the reins that he's been given somehow by Michael Bidwell. I mean, it's a mixture of probably a little bit of that and a lot of nobody wanted to coach the Cardinals after 2017. Like, Steve Wilkes was probably their eighth on the list. They had so many people in. Pat Shermer, Frank Reich, Matt Patricia, and they were going after all these guys, and Steve Wilkes was left. Yeah, but it's because Kingsbury. It's the same thing, and I know that it's by proxy of that. Right. They are patsies to Steve Kimes ability to pass blame off to other people constantly where he can keep his job. But the, the Cliff Kingsbury one was that was just a, a factor of, well, they're going to draft Kyler Murray. So they're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury. Like in theory, it made sense if Cliff Kingsbury wasn't a putrid college head coach to begin with. I just think that they're looking for guys who are immediately going to bend the knee to Steve Kime. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and you're going to find that when you have guys that aren't getting head coaching offers elsewhere, but you are getting one with the Arizona Cardinals. So obviously you're going to be indebted to the person that hired you when you weren't equipped to begin with. Yeah, it's there. There were some more takeaways from his interview. Michael Bidwell, the team president, uh, CEO that um, that we'll get into Larry Fitzgerald, Patrick Peterson, some interesting things. He kind of just glazed over Patrick Peterson. We'll get into that conversation next. Plus, it's a mock draft Monday here on Locked Cardinals. We'll look at the latest mock drafts, including the Monday mock draft from the Draft Network. Uh, some different prospects instead of just J.C. Horn going to the Arizona Cardinals. We'll tell you who they are. It's all coming up. It's Locked on Cardinals. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. I got to tell you, over the weekend, we did have a little FCS football go down, right? Was it Jackson State? It was uh, primetime making his coaching debut. They actually absolutely rolled some NAIA team. I'd be surprised if that was on the board. But if you're looking for some action with the NFL in their rearview mirror, look no further than betonline.ag. They've got the NBA. They've got college basketball. They've got the NHL all in full swing. Swing. It even bet online covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. You need to spice things up. Do you need to maybe, are you stuck watching The Bachelor with your significant other? So maybe get some action on it. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and the best way and best place to place your bets for free. And sign up, you get a free sign up or a bonus deposit, or after your first deposit, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. You put in 100 bucks, you get 50 bucks to play around with. You put in 50, you get 25 bucks to play around with. All you have to do is use the promo code locked on one word. It's betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. 
So it was uh, Michael Bidwell talking to Doug and Wolf, the Arizona Cardinals flagship radio station, uh, last week, and he he mentioned that he Bidwell was fly, he flew from the Super Bowl home for the Super Bowl with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. They didn't even discuss his future with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Bidwell expressed that he wanted Fitz to come back, uh, but he didn't want to push push the issue. And he knows just as much, or so he says, as much as you and I. They're still trying to work something out. As far as Patrick Peterson, uh, Peterson, he was like, yeah, we're trying to figure some, find a middle ground, something that makes, makes sense for the organization and makes sense for P2. And pretty much glazed over it, but he, he was kind of looking more at uh, more uh, uh, future moves from this organization. You know, whether it's... Uh, you know, the team's getting back Chandler Jones from injury, and he's excited about that, and, you know, what they could do in free agency. But it, it, he kind of just, he's talked to Patrick Peterson, and that's it. It, it Pretty much everything, you're, the reports you're reading, I, I got to believe that the, his tenure as an Arizona Cardinal has come to a close. There wasn't much time spent talking about Patrick Peterson and the path to him returning. Right. I mean, it, and it, we we'll go back and forth. We ping pong back and forth about who should be, who should be taken at sixteen overall. What what position should be taken at sixteen overall? We'll talk about the mock draft here in a minute. But I can't help but think now that if Patrick Peterson walks, that's going to be the forefront of Steve. Kline. Okay, we have to replace Patrick Peterson. We have to replace Patrick Peterson. So whatever corners there, whether it be J.C. Horner for some reason, if Caleb Farley drops, barring any sort of trade the Cardinals make up or down from the, with the sixteenth pick that it's going to be corner uh, because Patrick Peterson has been the mainstay regardless of if he's gotten any help, which he hasn't over the better part of a decade uh, to have a, you know, a running mate with, with him on the outside as a, as a CB two, that that's going to be the guy at 16. I mean, does that make sense? Like, even though they could draft anybody at 16 aside from a quarterback and you could, you can rationalize it. We've talked about that a lot, but he's been the anchor on defense since he came into the league, even though you know he, he was a pro bowler his rookie year as a special teams guy. I mean, he's been an all-pro corner, and that's going to be the gaping hole, quote-unquote, on the defense, even though you could allocate the 16th overall pick elsewhere to another position of need. I really think that that's going to be where they go at 16, regardless of what other positions there, unless some ridiculous thing happens where Micah Parsons drops or if Devonta Smith drops, it's going to be corner at 16, whether we want to believe it or not. And, that, and that's scary. Even when you're looking at the top prospects, like – Look at the top corner taken off the board last year, and you look at all the redrafts. And Jeffrey Okuda was the guy that was the farthest faller, right? I yeah. mean, he just bottom won. of the first round, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a redraft where he went, I think, twenty spots later than his actual yeah. third overall selection from Detroit. Now, again, he was playing under Matt Patricia, and you know, as far as his development, was it stunted by you know the the decision makers, the coaches in Detroit? You know, you can make that argument, but. When you look at guys like Caleb Farley, and I'm a big fan of Caleb Farley, but also take in consideration that this was a guy that played quarterback in high school. He played wide receiver to start at Virginia Tech. He played two seasons at the position, and then he took this season off. That's like, if he struggles right out of the gates, I'm not going to be surprised by that. When you look at Patrick Sertain, we have our reservations about Patrick Sertain Jr. or the second, whatever you want to call him. Uh, physically, a guy that you would say, "Hey, this guy's a stud," but also he played in the SEC. He played for the most powerful, you know, program in the country. You know, was he getting? You know, was he a product of just the system? Like both of these guys, I, I, I'm not tabbing them can't miss. So 
you know, if, if they do take a cornerback at 16, my point is that they need it needs to be a supplement. Like they do need to invest heavily. If they invest in any area this offseason, uh, it needs to be the cornerback position, especially even if they, they somehow retain Patrick Peterson, even if they complete the Hale Murray, you know, 40 plus yards to DeAndre Hopkins here in negotiations with Patrick Peterson, they find something that makes sense. They need to find another corner. If it's at 16, I still am skeptical that that's going to be a guy that, once again, will be able to come in and play significant downs for this team right away. Right. You know, it's, again, and, and I'll continue to say this until Bo's blue in the face, that it's it's a choose-your-own-adventure, paint-by-number offseason for the Cardinals. You can choose to go any way you want. And if you tell me that the offensive line stays the same, maybe they draft an offensive lineman in the second round. You know, maybe Landon Diggerson drops, and, and they <laughs> want to move up. Just uh, hypothetically speaking, just to get a smile out of Bo's smile out of Bo's face. Say he drops in the second round. The Cardinals want to draft him, move up, draft the center. Maybe move Mason Colts in one of the guard positions, or have him back up Justin Murray or Justin Pugh, and they retain Justin Pugh, and they go out and sign like a Marvin Jones, something very low profile in the off season. And you can tell me that the Cardinals either bring back Patrick Peterson or don't, but draft a corner at 16 and then sign a corner in the offseason, and you look at your defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, whose strong suit was DBs before he became defensive coordinator when he was with Miami, that would be okay with me. Because a pass rush, we learned last year, you can Houdini a pass rush. You can make shift a pass rush if you have the right blitz packages. The one of the best uh, blitz guy, one of the best sack guys in the NFL was gone before midway through the season, and the Cardinals pass rush got better. And if you have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson over the top, and two corners that you can trust splitting the field, I mean that's a pretty good position to be in, regardless of who you bring in on the offensive side of the ball. It's Bo, it's Alex, it's locked on Cardinals. Some great info, uh, just great conversation. I think we're a little surly today, but I, it really the the comments, the interview. I mean, it's I feel like they're zero for two this off season. They've been very quiet. The organization has um, following a just complete disappoint disappointment after a hot start. Um, I I uh, yeah, I don't know. I we're we're fired up today. We're, we're having some serious conversations. I didn't think it was. I thought it was going to be a little bit lighter, but you know, we just uh, pretty passionate. We and we're. We're tired of seeing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting different results. But uh, there are, there's some different picks coming in for the Arizona Cardinals on a mock draft Monday, who the draft network is predicting going to the Cardinals at 16. Also, Daniel Jeremiah. Alex heard some interesting insight from the GOAT right now, the current GOAT as far as draft analysts go, Daniel Jeremiah, and uh, some other mock drafts that are out there who they have the Arizona Cardinals selecting at 16. We'll tell you all about it. It's Locked on Cardinals. But we got to tell you about Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. Talk about the goat. That's that's mm-hmm. Built Bar. I mean, it's it's a candy bar that's disguised as a protein bar or vice versa. I mean, it's, it's equally healthy as it is delicious. That's because they have 18 incredible flavors. They've always got some sort of limited edition flavors, so they can get upwards of 20 different flavors, and all of them fantastic. Caramel brownie cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp were new additions to the lineup, and they fit right in with the 12 original flavors, which are all fantastic, including Alex's favorite, orange. Yeah, orange. How how can you make orange 
You you would never even think that that would be a go-to flavor, but it's it's the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, easy to chew. You don't want them as soft, put them in the freezer. And it's fantastic. And as far as the health conscious person, they're perfect for you. Lose, maintain you weight. Put them in a freezer. Some people, you ever just put your candy bar, your Reese's in a in the freezer or a Snickers? I guess. Yeah, oh when I was God. 12. And I didn't have to worry about teeth health. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to use with, with your with your back, <laughs> your back teeth, not your front teeth, because then you're gonna have some dental surgery have to be done. But no, look, you can. They're low calorie, low sugar, but high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Right now, you can save yourself some cash just by going to builtbar.com, using the promo code Locked On one word. You'll get twenty percent off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get twenty percent off at builtbar.com. All right, so I was reading the latest mock draft from their draft network, and they put a new mock draft out every week, and they're always every day they're they they're churning out content uh, about the 2021 NFL draft, which is going down April 29th. Um, they have the Arizona Cardinals at 16th overall, a, a new addition outside of South Carolina corner J.C. Horn. This week, the mock drafter has Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan. And their little blurb about it is Chandler Jones is aging and his high cap number is already uh, pretty high. Hassan Raddick may have priced himself out of returning to the Cardinals after tying down Devon Kennard and trading for the return of Marcus Golden. The Cardinals select one of the most dynamic edge defenders in this draft. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Um, and that's, I believe, with Rousseau still on the board. So they they wouldn't even take, they've got, they're, they're assuming that uh, Pay is the top edge rusher in the 2021 class. I don't know. Alex, what are your thoughts on taking the pass rusher, pass rush specialist at 16? Uh, focus on defensive end. Um, you know, listen, again, going back to what I've said, it's going to be choose where you want this defense to be. Choose what you want the strength to be because there ain't a strength yet aside from Buda Baker. So if you want it to be the pass rush, cool. Draft a pass rusher and sign a, and sign a linebacker who can be a situational pass rusher unless you believe Isaiah Simmons is the guy and you're going to franchise tag Hassan Reddick. If you draft another edge rusher, it seems like the tenure for Hassan Reddick in an Arizona Cardinals uniform is done. You, you would have to think that, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll know tomorrow. Tomorrow's tag day. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, when you look at the, the, the edge rush position, if he's a – you know, defensive end or linebacker, it's going to cost you around $14 million. It's going to be expensive. Yeah. I mean, the the glitz and glamour of Hassan Reddick is probably waned because the season's been over for a while. You know, people are going to forget, well, you can make these use well. He had five sacks in one game, which is about half of his total for the year. And, you know, he had three games in the stretch where he was non-existent. You know, they it was against the Giants and the Jets and the Cowboys where he really reigned supreme. So you can make excuses as to why you don't retain Hassan Reddick. Yeah. And you can definitely make – you can have reasons why you should if you want to tag him. Or if he wants to sign a two-year $15 million deal with eight mil guaranteed. I mean, I don't know why he would do that if, if the franchise tag was on the table. But again – it doesn't matter who they choose at 16 if they have a plan in place to supplement. That's really what it comes down to because they have so many holes, and it sounds like such a cop-out, but it's true. Yeah. Edge rusher, awesome. Wide receiver, awesome. Cornerback, awesome. You know, wide re- you know whatever. If you, have the mo- if you have the plan in place in the offseason of supplementing that pick, 
cool. Draft whoever as long as it's as long as it's going to be an impact guy in year one. When you look at it, just real quick, just for reference, I mean, as far as the the, the franchise tag goes, the defensive end is seventeen point seven million dollars. A wide receiver is sixteen point three. A linebacker's fifteen point six. I think that's probably where Hassan yeah. Reddick will qualify. CB, right. if, whatever. If 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 that's your route with Patrick Peterson, we'll know within the next twenty four hours. Fifteen point two million dollars. Offensive lineman. I don't think there's anybody for the Cardinals that would be worthy of it. Fourteen point five. Defensive tackle. Fourteen. It's because it's the top five at the highest paid at the position, and then it's the average. And right. it's. It's just absurd. It's just absurd. Well, listen, if Patrick Peterson's going to walk, would you slap the tag on him? No. That's a lot of money. That's that's a ton of money, especially when you're looking. I mean, that that's just. It's half of what you'd give him guaranteed most likely, though, if you're going to give him a short deal. Yeah, but then you could spread that out, hopefully, the guaranteed dollars in the, the cap hit. I mean, you, you right. when you slap the franchise tag, you, you're, you are uh, set on that cap number. For that franchise tag number, so cornerback is fifteen point two million dollars. That's what you're paying. And right now, according, you know, depending on what site you trust, you know, if it's Spot Track, if it's over the cap, the Cardinals are just under twenty million dollars. You've only got like four or five million dollars to play around with before you do anything. So it's just pretty steep. You just got to, I think, as far as I just don't know, franchise tag is is the route that you can go just by how much you have to sink into just one season from one player. Well, and they can, I mean, they don't have to tag anybody. Yeah, I don't think they will. You know? And I yeah. still and think they will. Get, right. If, if you just, if you're going to, if you're going to clean slate it and have Hassan Reddick test free agency, have Patrick Peterson go, I'm sure he'll have his suitors right away. Then, you know, good riddance and move on. It's not the first time a star's left the team. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, looking back at these uh, mock drafts, you, you told me some, something interesting because you, uh, had uh, Daniel Jeremiah on the show recently, and what he said as far as what do you who he think would who he thinks would be available at sixteen. Well, it's interesting. Ago. I mean, he left it open. Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, at Move the Sticks on Twitter, he's he was on the show, the drive that I that I produce daily. He was on this morning, and it, it, the question was was broached first of all about Isaiah Simmons and and his his ability, and he said you know he he wasn't out on Isaiah Simmons, and then asked about it. Um, wide receiver and he said there's a chance that a wide receiver could drop i mean there's four stud wide receivers two of which have big quite well three of them have big questions around him i mean jamar chase we haven't seen for a while um jalen waddle was out for the majority of the year with the with the ankle and Devonte smith is small mm-hmm. so i mean there's huge question marks surrounding those guys so do you take do you take a flyer at 16 if listen we talked about this before the podcast came up if Jalen Water, Devonta Smith are there, even though what I just said was it's most likely going to be corner, because chances are there's not going to be a popcorn pick there. If there is one there, they're going to take him, right? I mean, we saw this with Isaiah Simmons last year. They were off. They were set for offensive linemen, but holy crap, Isaiah Simmons dropped. Sure, absolutely, we'll take the bait. It's going to be the same exact thing, right? I mean, are we on the same page there that if there's a wide receiver there like that after they passed on CD Lamb last year that they're going to take him at 16. I just think that unfortunately Steve Kime thinks he's smarter than that. He just hasn't taken a wide receiver that he's had the opportunity to pick. Like he's passed. Like there's a long list of 
players he's passed on because he thinks. <laughs> I sent you know, the, the Instagram video of DK Metcalf throwing down a vicious Vince Carter esque yeah. dunk. Um, and, and you, you've seen the pictures of DK Metcalf in the draft process. He looks like the incredible Hulk. Uh, you've seen the speed. You saw the, the combine results from DK Metcalf. There were people that were skeptical about his ability to run routes and all that stuff. But the fact that Steve Kime thought he was, he was the smartest guy in the room and he took a guy from UMass because he had cool FCS stats and Andy Isabella. And, and that's, I just think he, he thinks he can find the guy. And he, does, he doesn't need to utilize a 16th overall pick on Jalen Waddell, even though we've seen Justin Jefferson succeed, become, you know, he had the most success we've ever seen a rookie wide receiver have. We've seen all these first-round type picks pop. And he's just like, ah, I can find that in the second or third round. It's like, yeah, you can't. You haven't. You were part of the group. I mean, the last time this team took a, a, a wide receiver in the first round, it was Michael Floyd. and He was okay. He was okay. So, I mean, as much as I think, why not? I mean, you talk about a strength. You take one of those guys. If one of those guys slips, I doubt it's Chase. I mean, Chase is one of the guys that seems like he's yeah. a – go top five. Yeah. But if, if it's anybody else, I mean, if you get the second best guy, that – and you've, you you put him with uh, – does he count Kylie or uh, Fitz in that? Does he – Pitts? What, why, why can't I think of it? Does he count? Kyle Pitts? Yeah. No, not not as a wide receiver. No. Okay, so we're just talking about the the number two wide receiver potentially falling to sixteen. You would hope. You well, would hope they at least. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know who the who the best wide receiver is going to be. Yeah, but the chance. I mean, there's four top guys, and you said there's a chance. I mean, anybody could say. I mean, there's a chance that he drops, and it, like, listen. And I just went on the diatribe saying that they're going to draft a corner if Patrick Peterson goes, pending. Or barring any sort of weirdness, where Steve Kimes says he he pulls the Isaiah Simmons last year and says, you know what, he's a star in college. We're going to take him, and we're just going to kind of throw all of our needs to the wind, even though this is technically a need. So I can get away with drafting this guy here. There are more glaring needs than wide receiver. I mean, of all of the quarterbacks and wide receivers taken in the first round over the last however many years, the majority of them have not worked out. <laughs> like in a glaring number. There's only one Matt Ryan, I think since 2000, from 2006 to 2017, some crazy number like that. Only one quarterback is still on the team that drafted him. And it's Matt Ryan. So, I mean, in wide receiver, I mean, for, for all the Julio Joneses, there's so many Kevin Whites. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know. We're gonna, oh my God. It's just, it's, it's just, it's groundhog day. So you're just <laughs> expecting whoever they take to not work out. And this isn't like, woe is me. This is just, look at the facts. The facts have shown that first-round picks, not named Kyler Murray, where you're running unopposed with the number one overall pick, they just don't work. Quitty. Call me Quitty Cat. (laughs) (laughs) He played, Michigan was terrible. Their their defensive quarter now is the D.C. for Arizona. Yeah. The college, the, the university, it's like, that's that he played himself out of Ann Arbor and he's in Tucson now. That offense was historically terrible too. The defense, right? No, the offense. The Michigan's offense didn't help them at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, their offense hasn't been good since since Jim Arbor went there. Yeah, it's just you're gonna take a, def- a player from the defensive side of the ball, at Michigan. I, I don't, I don't know about that. 
But uh, yeah, we, the conversation just gets started this week. It's been it's, it's been a fun fun Monday podcast. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're watching on Streamyard. Or if uh, you're listening to the podcast, wherever you find podcasts, we appreciate it. Leave us a review, a rating, um, subscribe. We appreciate it. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Uh, another episode of Lockdown Cardinals. Make sure you're following along on Twitter as well at Lockdown AZ Cards, at Bob Rack. He's his way to find me, B O B R A C K, and at Clancy's Corner to follow Alex. We'll talk to you guys soon. I've got to record.